This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, AfterBuzzers, you are watching the after show for Homeland. I thought R was for Rick, but I guess R is for Romeo. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now... Let the buzz begin. And here we go. We got our, we got our theme song coming in. I know you've missed me. It's been uh, two weeks. Hey, After Buzzers, thanks for tuning in. You're watching the after show for Homeland, where tonight we're actually going to have a special treat because we're covering episodes 10 and 11. And you can find me at Rick Hong, R-I-C-K-H-O-N-G. And I am uh, joined by Carla Renata tonight. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to be back. I am Carla Renata. I'm here with the after show for Homeland seasons 10 and 11. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Curvy. Film critic, yeah, that's right. The Kirby film critic. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. It's been a minute since I've said it. <laughs> so we're talking about episodes ten and eleven, right? Yes, so we are. It's ten. The yeah, flag house. Right? Yeah, it's like it's getting down to the wire. It's getting down to the wire, and I gotta tell you, episode ten. I was gasping for breath most of the episode. My mother thought something was wrong with me because I kept going. <gasps> it was, it was, especially the end of episode ten, where he's. Um, at, uh, where um, Quinn is at the window with the gun. I'm like, oh, Lord. But right. I, what, I've gotten ahead of myself. What's going to happen? All right. Okay. Let's. So, like, what I decided to do since we're covering two episodes, um, I'm going to kind of just, I usually try to go in order of by like scene, but instead I'm going to try to just kind of go by order of characters and just kind of what's going on with them. And since you actually uh, talked about Quinn, I guess we might as well start with Quinn. Yep. So, like, we open up and uh, Quinn is going to a diner. Yes. And He's trying to he he got a, a lead through the um, the phone tap of where this guy was the neighbor that, exactly yeah so he's trying to get a hold of him. Well, not get a hold of him, literally, but he's trying to get him. But by the time he gets there, it's daylight, and mm-hmm. the guy is gone. And he ends up running into the this young lady that he knows. Yeah, and she doesn't, Nikki, Nikki the waitress. Yes, and she doesn't know him in that state. So it's a little shocking for her. It's a little embarrassing for him. And it was very—that whole scene, it was, it was brilliantly awkward. The whole scene was yep. played really brilliantly awkward. But I felt bad for both of them because— I feel like Nikki probably liked him at some point in the past. I don't know if she did. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. When he's clean-shaven, like the mustache isn't there and the hair's yeah. cut and he can actually uh, speak uh, articulately. Yeah. He's a good-looking guy. stutter, yeah. Um, not saying that my boys that stutter. Something wrong with them, but, you know. Um, but, yeah, I felt like it, that was a brilliantly awkward scene that was played. And then um, I feel like I feel like Quinn and Carrie... 
have like this love hate relationship, like a brother and sister sort of. You and, know what I'm and saying? Then, and then there's also like that that air of like romance, like kind of. Between them two. You, you feel more it's brother-sister, not a romance? Yeah, I feel more brother-sister. I don't feel like she is... I don't feel like she's romantically attracted to him, but I feel like she is protective of him, like she would be a brother or a sister. Like obligated? Yeah, like there's an obligation, some types of a sense of um, obligation that she has for him for a variety sure, of reasons. Sure, absolutely. You know, during the course of, of the time that the show's been on the air. Which is really funny because when I'm sitting across from Leslie, she's all about Quinn and Carrie getting together, and I'm telling her, nah. dude, I was like, there's too many more seasons to go for them to actually get together and too many things that can happen for that, so... Well, I don't know about too many more seasons, but... <laughs> We got two. We got. I, def- I haven't confirmed that we have at least two more at seasons two after more? this okay. one. So, but yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them as romantically linked. I see them more like two people that really love each other, but in a more brotherly, sisterly kind of way. Because he, whenever something goes wrong for her, he's always the one that's hell bent on finding who it was that went left on her, mm-hmm. who it was that he needs to avenge to clear her name every single time, and so. Um, yeah, and then I, I love that in episode 10, now that we're talking about Carrie, I love the fact that she's always, she always puts herself in a compromising position, but this is the first time she's actually admitted that she always puts herself in a compro- yep. compromising position without any regard for the consequences, and then right after she says that, she does it again. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we, yeah, we've discussed it on the show, too. Absolutely. She, right? she, yeah, she cannot not meddle. She just, like, she kind of gets into, you know, she just kind of keeps going. So so with Quinn, what happens is, is that, you know, he goes from the the restaurant to, you know, the house. It's, like, appropriately, uh, appropriately uh, titled for the. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode, Flaghouse. I don't really know how he gets to the Flaghouse. He just kind of that girl to... gets him there. The uh, what, what, oh, the oh, Nikki, the waitress. No, not not the waitress. The other girl, his 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 crack girlfriend. Oh, Clarice. Clarice. Okay. Clarice got him there because remember she picks she picks Carrie up and takes her takes her to him. So she had to have taken him there. She said they remember she gave him the phone with the video and he and Carrie asked her, "Well, where did you get this from?" She said, "I just shot it like ten minutes ago." Oh no no no. Well, I'm, I'm like running back to the beginning. Oh, you're going the, be- the beginning. So like where he gets a kid to like ding dong ditch. Mm. You know, but he just he just shows up at this house, and then he you know then he oh, like, right the little boy yeah yeah, and then he you know, goes in. He already knows the code, so there's some sort of familiarity. I just didn't figure out how he exactly knew where to go for this house, but he knows how to get in, and then he starts having his flashbacks. Well, he's a techie. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. a techie, so he figured it out. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, and then we see that his his flashbacks actually flash back to him and a group of guys, which Nikki the waitress had referred to and we see having um, drinks and everything yeah, yeah and we see uh who i've seen throughout the season uh the actor robert nepper mm-hmm. who i actually had to look up and is he goes by general mcclendon and mm-hmm. he's apparently the lead dog for these guys exactly and that's where quinn initially sees the mysterious white van from 
earlier that blew up. I mean, not this particular white van, but <laughs> how it kind of leads all to the conspiracy. The white van is there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then as we move from that, then we like then we move to Carrie mm-hmm. and like how you talk about how she's, yeah, she cannot not meddle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's Max telling her about what he's seen in episode nine with mm-hmm. like the sock puppets. And she's so busy, you know, she's busy like just, trying to get Franny back or, like, trying to go to this deposition. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that Franny got taken away from her in the first place, for any mom, that's devastating to have your child snatched, especially if it's due to circumstances beyond your control. So to have her kid snatched due to circumstances beyond her control and then not have the control to even see her. Which she's a very controlling person, Exactly. Too. So mm-hmm. that's devastating for her. And so when they tell her, you know, that she gets to see her, and then that kind of sort of doesn't happen. It's devastating to her. And then, and then, just to move forward, just a little bit, just for the purposes of this conversation about yeah, Carrie, yeah, yeah. Um, when she goes to the deposition, and they call her. Well, no, she gets out of the car, right? Yep. So and she that, gets out. Yeah, she gets dude. out of the car, and the guy is like, "Oh, if you ever need a ride, here's my card." And she's like, "Okay." And she's getting out of the car, right? And he says, "So you know, you might want to check on that appointment." About your daughter, and she's like, "How do you know that?" And then he speeds up. It was yep, just takes it off. was very godfatherish, I have to say. <laughs> that was very godfatherish. And then he speeds off, and then she calls, and they're like, "Oh yeah, your daughter's sick." And then when she calls back later, they're like, "Oh yeah, that was a different kid. Really, you didn't know that the first time?" Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> I know, I know. And mean, but but then like that causes all the paranoia when she's like in the room. Right. She's starting putting two to two together, and right. she's like, you know, asking people, "Hey, did you, did you send did me you do a it? Car? Did the DOJ? Yeah, did, did you DLJ send me a car? Yeah. And then this happens. So then she goes through all that paranoia. She says, I'm out. I'm not doing this. My, I got my kid. I got to go. She bounces. And then here comes President-elect Keene trying to put pressure on her. So now she's got Dar Dahl putting pressure on her not to talk. She's got President-elect Keene putting pressure on her to talk. And she's kind of caught in the middle. And she's been caught in the middle before. But every time in the past that she was caught in the middle... She didn't have a child whose future was at stake. Right, Franny wasn't right. So this this is new territory for her. Absolutely, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right with that. Yeah, that's true. It's it's, it's just normally like usually just her kind of being able to like do what she can do. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, like yeah, she's got no control mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with her but mm-hmm. her daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. And then let's just go to Dar Doll for a minute. He is like. <laughs> he is like the Don Corleone of Capitol Hill. He's this whole Isn't season. He? He's been he's been playing like puppet master. He is he's like playing the puppet Don, master. He is like the Don Corleone of Capitol Hill. He he just and he kind of slyly with that little you know smile on his face, kind of just goes. So how about blah 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 blah? And I'm like, wow, Dar Dar, it's like that. You just gonna like come for people? Like give you give them a little hint and then you leave the room and then the next thing you know something really horrible happens to that person that he just met with and then he just shows up out of nowhere all the time what is <laughs> wait let's let's dial it back just a little bit speaking of him so what's the the character's name um Majid Javadi, right? Yep, Javadi. We had we actually had Sean Tubon a couple episodes. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But so Javadi. Uh-huh. So Javadi where is Javadi? Like, we see him. I'm just saying. You see Dar Adal having breakfast, dinner, whatever meal it is that they're having. And he's like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. You guys have used me for the last time. Then he goes to answer the door. Uh, Dar, the doorbell rings. Dar Adal goes to answer the door. The two goons or three goons come in. And they like, 
stick something in his neck. They take him out. And that's the last time we saw him. It's yeah, like, no, where is he? No, it was great because when we had Sean on, that was the episode that uh-huh. he came on the show. We talked to him. He's like, dude. Mom, like his lips are mom. He's like, I can't, I can't yeah, talk like about Shonda it. It's like Shondaland; he'll get killed. Yeah, <laughs> right. If you say, right. If you, you say something, then you're permanently yeah. gone. And I was if, like, if, I was yeah. like, you're smart not to say anything, not to let us know. Yeah, he'll be he'll be a permanently unemployed actor. If he tells us what's happening. Yeah, happened. I mean, for me though, I, I, which I, you know, I think that he's. We'll, we'll, we're going to see Javadi again. Not, not definitely not this season, but I, um, no, no. You think he's? I, I don't, I don't think. Because this is what I think. I think it would be too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence for him to show up alive. Like, I think it would be more intriguing for him to show up dead somewhere and then everybody trying to figure out how he died, how he got there, who did it, just like with um, the young the young boy that was in the van. Oh, Sekou. Sekou. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just like with Sekou. Sekou died. We didn't know how he died. We know the bl- the uh, van blew up, and they spent this whole season retracking and going after that. Mm-hmm. So my my guesstimation would be that they would go back and try to you know writing wise figure out how he died, who killed him, and all. I mean, because that seems to be a um, a pattern or a formula with Homeland in terms of writing. Right. They seem to <laughs> they seem to knock somebody off, and then you spend a good portion of the following season trying to figure out. Who got knocked off? Why they got knocked off? Where they are and who was behind it? So you, don't you think? To, yeah, no, no, no. So you next next season maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna resolve that this season because no, it, they won't. No, it would not be this too. Ab- it would be too abrupt. To, and it'd be too weird because like, yeah. considering right, it would be too abrupt to go. Yeah, and this is how he died. And you're like, what? Really? You led up to all of this just to give us one episode to tell us how he died? Nah, that's not happening. So okay, so then let's so let's go to Madam President Elect. She finally sees this video. That Brett O'Keefe, has, Brett O'Keefe and Dar have put together that right. actually aired. She's pissed. Wouldn't you be? Oh yeah, yeah. She's absolutely like <laughs> pissed, and you know she's like, I want to do something. I want a press conference, and her people are like, mm, no, maybe not. You know, but I mean, what, what would you do? In, what would you do if it was? You? I mean, again, we're dealing with someone who's a mother, and again, we're dealing with someone who's a mother whose child is now in the center of all this mess. And she says herself, as long as she kept her mouth shut for 10 years, he was fine. Then all of a sudden, the minute she opens her mouth, now he's being attacked. Now he's being dragged through the, the political landscape in a way that, you know, is not um, fashionable, so to speak. Right. So she's upset about that because president-elect or not, at the end of the day, she's still somebody's mom. And her son is still somebody. Uh, that served in the country and now they have this and his memory the memory that she had and the memory that she created of him was one of honor and one of respect now you have this video of him running away and so now he looks like a coward yep whether he was one or not you know the eyes don't lie so when you see somebody or, running or when you have the power to edit unlike this show that is live right now <laughs> we're not editing anything so no. um, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. when you when you see somebody running and you see somebody running in a video you're like oh dag they're running away why didn't they even one of the guys in the uh, the video piece that they produce says you know why didn't he just stay why did, why didn't he he didn't even stay to help me he just took off running and is, you know what's really interesting to me, um, for, just as a side note about Homeland? Yeah, yeah. Homeland is, the, one of the reasons I love the show is that it has the uncanny, the writers and the producers have the uncanny ability to almost predict real life. 
Yeah. So this oh, is almost where we are in real life. Absolutely. You know, with the Trump administration. And it's kind of scary. It kind of is, right? It's really scary. Like, where we are in real life compared to where we are in television life on this series is parallel. And they wrote this series, I mean, not the series, but they wrote this season in these episodes way before any of these things that are happening uh-huh. right now uh-huh. happen. So it's a little freakish, freakazoid that, that is, that, oops, sorry, that, that's going yeah, down. Yeah, no, I agree with but you. I, but it's fascinating all at the same time. And um, the other thing about Homeland is that they really... But this year, in this year, this season, in, I keep saying year. I keep confusing years. No, no, it's fine. I mean, we're, you know. everybody, everybody knows what we're talking about. We're talking about this. If we say this year, we're talking about this season. They know. They know. I, you know. They know. Uh, why you guys know why you're tuning in. Yes, of course you do. So, um, it, not only are they dealing with the the types of domestic issues that we're having, but domestic policy that we're dealing with mm-hmm. in the United States too. I love the fact that Homeland always keeps it real. When the first season came out, just to track for a second. When the first season came out, we were dealing with the whole Iran-Iraq yep. war and all that. And so when Brody was on the scene and terrorism, it was right in line with what was going on here in America at that time. So they've kind of kept the, the through line going through all the seasons leading up to this one. Speaking of which, um, I wanted to just uh, talk about Franny for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Franny... For there, there's a moment where Fran or Carrie talks about Franny, and there's she's in that um, counseling session where they're deciding whether or not they're going to let her see Franny again, right? Because you know she's bipolar, she's got all these issues. Is this woman safe enough for her to be with her own child, or is she a danger to her own child and herself? And she even says in the session that you know Franny has red hair, Brody had red hair. You know every time she looks at Franny, it's a painful reminder of Brody. And I'm wondering if at some, I wonder if the writers brought that up to set us up for something at some point happening later with Carrie with some kind of psychotic break in regards to Brody because it's been a minute since she's talked about and, Brody. And they've mentioned, yeah, exactly. And they brought. They slowly brought Brody's name back here and there. Mm-hmm. Like they keep referring to him, and you know, as as they're going to be wrapping in in a couple more seasons, mm-hmm. I think those are like the little like nuggets mm-hmm. that they're throwing at us now to be like, hey, wait, by the way, remember Brody from season four? Yeah, you like know, that or, didn't get past me. I was like, oh. or season three, I think. Actually, season three. Remember Brody from season three? Yeah, yeah that so. didn't get past me. I'm like, oh, they bring up Brody's name again. Okay, okay. So that that was that was kind of cool. And then let me just also say, flipping back to Dar Adal again, I just have to say Dar Adal would literally throw his mother under the bus if he thought it was going to save his life. Except if his mother was Peter Quinn. Yeah, really? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, we'll you don't think we'll get... he would throw Quinn under the bus? No, we'll get into it. We'll get into okay, it. We'll get into right. it. But, all right, so we also see this in this, you know, in this episode. We see Saul is kind of being a little Jason Bourne-esque. He, he kind of is, right? I, but I kind of love that. Oh, no, same, same I kind of love that. He's, he's on the run because he thinks he's going to be put on trial and well, like, yeah, and you know, they're trying to throw him under the bus, and he's like, mm, no, not before y'all figure this out, and then you know, I will resurface. But I love the fact that he brought his his is not she his ex wife or his wife. I was confused. You know, I don't know if they officially got divorced. That's what I'm saying. So, I, but definitely his. Ex, it, it, it is his wife. I know. Mare, I, uh, I know she's his wife. Mayor, I think her name's Mayor. Mayor, Mayor, yeah. And so, so I think, yeah, I was, I was like, is she his ex-wife or is she his wife? Because I never really saw an episode where they officially broke up. So I'm, I was a little confused by that. But, but they're definitely separated. Yes, but I, I 
love the fact that he was like, read this letter and follow it to the to the exact letter and then get rid of it. And he she goes, go to the corner of this intersection and this intersection and get in the car. And she's like, what is going on? Like, what are you doing? And she said, and then she was even confused because she goes, well, why are you running? You never ran before. Which actually, I'm a little confused by that too. He never he he's never run away before, so it's very interesting to me that he feels the need to go on the run this time. Well, because this this one's about um, normally, if he's from what I gathered throughout the seasons, is this one this one's really about his integrity, about who he is and his integrity, and that's what and that's a that's a conversation that they have. But his integrity's been questioned before, and he still didn't run. But it wasn't going to be. I don't think it was going to be out in public, mm-hmm. and that's and I think that was the issue where he he didn't want his at least initially until mm-hmm. he starts talking to her more. Mm-hmm. It says I like I don't want to be thrown under the bus publicly, not necessarily behind the scenes, and that's why he was I need to get out of here. But as he's talking to her, it seems like she swayed him, like you said. Yeah. That hasn't stopped you before. Right, exactly. He's like, in his mind, you know what? I'm going to try to go do the right thing. But then he had that moment, the moment where he was talking to Carrie, and Carrie uh, revealed to him that she accidentally mentioned that he was in Berlin during her talks with President elect Keene and and other people. She, when she turned around to take that phone call from, Family services where they said they were going to let her see her, her let her see Franny, and I, I just knew based on what was going on with the camera, I just knew that when she turned around, he was going to be gone. But when the camera turned back around and he was still sitting on that bench looking all dejected, I was like, "Oh, this is going to go a very different way than I thought." Because I seriously thought he's going to disappear. As she while she's turned around, did you think she, he was going to be gone when she turned around on yeah, the phone? I don't know if I actually had a, you know, I don't know. I don't think I ever like even looked that far. I just, I just like I wanted just to see the scene play out, which it played out pretty mm-hmm. rough mm-hmm. in that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was like, I just i I wanted them. I wanted them to. Ha- I didn't want them to fight, but I wanted them to have a little better flushed out conversation about what she did, why she did it, and his reaction to it, I felt like that was kind of glossed over a little bit to get to the other stuff hmm. in the episode. That's what I thought. Interesting. So, okay, so let's... <laughs> He's like, okay, well, then that's your opinion. Uh, uh, well, so then let's, let's get to uh, Max. Max is, you know, he's at the... Uh, he's at, God, they had a crazy name for that place. Um, but Max is, you know, he's trying to videotape secretly, and he gets busted, you know, he gets busted, and Dar's, Dar, you know, Dar's kind of uh, beating him up. I believe it's a, yeah. So yes, you know, and um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what you what you would do like in that situation if you know that you got caught videoing something and they they put you in a weird room. And well, what can you do if you're guilty? You're guilty. You know what you should be trying to do is trying to plot out how to not get to whatever room they're trying to take you to because you right. know that if you get in the room and they close the door, anything could happen behind closed doors. So you really don't want to... It's, it's like when somebody is being... It's like when someone's snatched off the streets, for example. This is an extreme, extreme example. Mm-hmm. But when someone is snatched off the streets, the last thing you want them to do is to get you into the car or to get you any place where you you 
have to travel. You want to stop that from happening. <laughs> Going down that hallway, I would have been like, I'm gonna need, I need to go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> like, <laughs> with I'm, escorts, with guys, like, like with escort guys. To, yeah. I would be like, I have to go so bad. Could you just hold on one second? Just one second. Just hold on one second. I'll be right back. That's what I would have done. I would have, I would have knocked that down. Oh, speaking of which, so what's Explain to me, because I was a little confused. Sure. Explain to me the room with all when the computers and stuff went down and everybody got online. What was that? Propaganda. Oh. Propaganda, creating, creating fake profiles. Oh. You know, so it's kind of like all truth. Like, again, like you brought up about how reality and homeland are kind of blending together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I thought the same thing when I saw that scene. I was like, wait, what? But <laughs> I was like, er? they, Basically just them creating a big propaganda machine. And I did notice that one of the people in that scene is this guy that used to play Spinelli on General... I love General Hospital. This guy that played Spinelli on General mm. Hospital was like the major computer dude. He was the one that fixed everything and got it back up online. Okay. I don't know his character name because they only said it once. But he's the one that got everybody back up online and he was screaming and yelling. I'm like, oh, that's Spinelli from General Hospital. I was very excited. <laughs> I, I love when I see other people sure. from other shows doing no, 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 absolutely. things that are a, a departure from what you're used to seeing them do, so that was kind of exciting. Yeah, no, I, that's, I was excited when uh, yeah, when Robert Nepper showed up or General McClendon showed exactly. up too. I was like, hey, it's Prison Break guy, because <laughs> I, love, I love him on Prison Break. And exactly, uh, uh, even President-elect Keene, she was on... Um, this is on uh, House of Cards. Yeah, yes. right? playing a very similar, show. yeah, playing very, a very similar, similar character. character. Uh huh. Yep. They they do a good job of like, hey, this person played politics. We'll we'll bring this person to play <laughs> yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. So, uh, what else we want to talk about? Oh, what about? Um, let's talk about. I think we pretty much covered episode ten pretty good, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Well, so we, so but we, yeah. There's like two more things where Saul, you know, so Saul decides. Okay, you know what? I'm. It looks like he's had a change of heart. So he goes to Carrie's. He's looking for her, oh, but right. she's but she's not there. Right. She's not there because she, uh, yeah, because she bumped into Clarice. Right. So she's not there, and he she's goes with Quinn. Yeah, or she's on her way to go see yeah, Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Saul is kind of going upstairs. He's hearing this computer chiming, and he breaks into. Oh, this. when he goes into that room. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that and now, everything is like all you have, you have now yarn was, and everything. Now was this, okay, so was this her room or was this a room that maybe Quinn set up? Like whose room was that? I think that it's Carrie's room. It could have very well been Max who's been like kind of helping out. But it's Carrie because, I mean, the reason I say that I want to say that it's Carrie is because, because an appointment she, for Franny was on the board no, too, and she's so neurotic, or like you know, she's so neurotic. You know, she has like that bipolar OCD type thing. That was and crazy. That was so, like serial killer time. Yeah, right. Like everything's mapped <laughs> with the, out with I the mean, red threads going CSI, everywhere. Ooh. Absolutely, absolutely. So and I want. I want to say that it's Carrie. I want to say. Because that's so obvious, and again, that's not usually how Homeland rolls. I want to say somebody else put that room up there, and they're making it look like it's Carrie's room. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go All with right, that. We'll, we'll see it play out. We'll, yeah, we'll see, I, mean, like, I would love to see it. The fact that we both have different opinions about it is Homeland writers have accomplished their mission. The fact that we're talking about it uh-huh. and going, oh, well, no, maybe it's this. Well, no, maybe it's that. I love that. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting room to introduce in the series mm-hmm. of, yeah, I, I'm not, I have yet to figure out what the purpose is or if, you know, hey, guys, by the way, if you know or you have your own ideas, please put it in the comments below. I'll read it. I'll talk about it next week. Maybe, maybe not. 
Because, <laughs> hey, next week's the season finale, so. Ooh, season finale. Yeah, Yum. so, I mean, hey. But, okay, so now we're, we're, so we kind of move into, we're now we're moving into, like, episode 11. Yes. And Carrie is taken to Quinn, and, you know, um, uh, you know, Quinn is, he's, he's like, they, they they start kind of having this like long conversation. And he gets really pissed at Carrie because Dar had told Quinn about, hey, by the way, the reason you're in the condition that you exactly. are is because of Carrie. Right. So he's like going off on her, and he's and the guy's literally going apeshit in this room, like acting like, Rah! you know, just yeah. They I have mean, a moment. They totally have a moment because he's like, you know. I was in a coma-like situation, and when they brought me out of the coma, I had a stroke, and that's your fault. So mm-hmm. why did you do that? That's what I'm saying. Their relationship is very brother. Like that's something that a brother and sister would fight about. Not necessarily lovers, I don't think. But yeah, he was not. He was not a happy camper. <laughs> and exactly, you know, like when you're when you're also like dealing with a person that's like not already in like a good state of mind, Mm-mm. then it, it makes he was it even not worse. a happy camper. But then he he. After he comes out of all of that, then he goes on to tell her about what happened with Astrid. Yeah. Right? And then he's so, he you you would think he's bipolar, too, because he goes off on her. Then he tells her about what happens to Astrid, and then he's all, for, then he forgives her because then he saves her. I'm like, really, Quinn? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Either you hate her or you love her. Make up your mind. Yeah, I mean, and he, you know, and he looks at her this at one point in time when they're talking, and he looks at her and says, you know, you have to let me go. And I, and at that stage, like, I'm trying to figure out, is it a metaphor? Like, dude, just cut ties with me all around? Or if it's like, you got to let me go, like, and just, I got to get to the door. <laughs> go, do, go to the door and do my business. I think that, I think, Sometimes relationships run their course, and I think that he he cannot move forward with his life as long as he's tied to her and vice versa. Yeah. So I think that's what he means when he says, you got to let me go. Because for her, he represents the good and the bad of everything that she's gone through, especially the worst part of it after everything happened with Brody. He was kind of there for her. So she clings on to him because he, he represents a very strong memory for her. With him gone... She kind of doesn't have anybody else as her person, right? You know, I, I, I can't, yeah, because like, because clearly, like her and Saul were on the outs a while ago, exactly. And so. now they're back in, you know. Now they're good, but but there's a there's um there's a fine line with her and Saul. Because well, that's like that's like father, that's fatherly father daughter. Yeah, there's a there's a fine line with her and Saul, but there is there there are no boundaries with her and Quinn. There's a definitive boundary with her and Saul. So if if Quinn goes away, then that Quinn and all those boundaries go away, and then she has nobody really that she can trust. Yeah. You know, and she can't go run into Saul all the time because Saul yeah. doesn't have the time. <laughs> exactly. Or he's not, sometimes he's not in the country. Exactly. Or... You know, Saul, Saul is doing his own thing and, yeah. and handling his own business, so he can't always be there for Carrie and Franny as much as he would love to because he does love her, you know. Yeah. But he can't always come running to her. <laughs> he can't always come running to her being, you know, when she's a damsel in distress all the time. Yeah, but speak, but speaking of Saul, so so from that computer room, he mm-hmm. finds like that video mm-hmm. and he, you know, he takes it to he takes it to President Keene and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, by the way, I know where this video is from." Mm-hmm. So that now like they're kind of like strategizing about what she needs to do next. Right. I feel bad for President Elect Keene. I feel like she at every turn is being sabotaged. And she, at every turn, doesn't know who to trust, when to trust them. Like she, um, a couple of episodes, she 
trusted Carrie. Her and Carrie were sitting down having lunch and sharing, you know, intimate things with one another. And then a couple of episodes later, she was like, I can't trust you. And then she just kind of left her in a garage standing there looking stupid. And now she's like, I'm trusting Carrie again. And then she didn't trust Saul for a little while. And then she trusted him. And then she didn't trust Dardal. And then she trusted him. Now she doesn't trust him. I just feel bad for her because she doesn't have anybody in her circle, her immediate circle, that she can literally honestly trust that has her best interest at heart. And that's kind of hard when you're the president of the United States. You got to have at least one person. And you she can, can trust. at least trust Rob. Although I was like, I like, I remember in the beginning, I kept thinking, okay, Rob is the rat. <laughs> He, the chief of staff guy has got to be the rat that's like le- leaking. He... But he's not. But he's he's definitely not. Like he's at least like the one confidant. You know, she's always just like Rob, come here. He's talking. You know, so at least she's got him. But I agree. There's too many people that are. I can trust you one second. I can't trust you another second. Yeah, yeah. And 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 again, it's very parallel to what's happening right now with the Trump administration because every yeah. day you're hearing about somebody that has has said something or done something where he can't trust them, and they've either he's either let them go or they have stepped down on their own. So it's, again, we're having some parallels with real life here with with President Elect Keen. So yeah, and eventually they come to the the conclusion, like Keen and Saul and, and her group, that. This office of policy coordination needs to be shut down. And so I was like, this is what you need to do. You need to go head on and go up against Brett O'Keefe on air because otherwise it's like you're, you're never, it's never going to be the end of it. And it's going to be like a crazy administration for you. So yeah. she's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do it. Yeah, yeah. So th- this, these are my questions. So now that Saul has kind of, um, what's the word, kind of reengaged himself with President elect Keene. Where do you think we're going to see him going in the next episode? Do you think maybe he'll he'll get his legs back and be named like the CIA director and be like a really strong, powerful number two for President-elect Keene? Or do you think he's going to get thrown under the bus again by, by Dara Dahl? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, see, oh, man, I'd love, to, I'd love to think in the season finale that Dara gets his. But when it comes to Saul... I think I think he's just he's just he's really at this stage he's just working on getting his immunity. Like he was even saying, you know, the agency isn't the agency that it was before. Right. So he's just making sure that the truth comes to light. Okay. You know that that right is done by whether he agrees with her policies or not, but that um right is like whatever like needs to be like righted and if that means you know Dardal needs to be out of there then that's that's what needs to happen first mm-hmm. more than him being like named but I'm thinking this is what I'm thinking I'm thinking that because he was the first one to tell her not to trust him in the first place he was the first one to say you should not be trusting Dardal he was the first one to tell her she didn't listen repeatedly characters throughout the season have told her don't trust Dardal and consistently she would trust him and consistently he would throw her or somebody close to her under the bus, Mm -hmm. right? So I think in this particular instance, now that Saul has shown her that tape, she's probably going, maybe I should trust this dude. Maybe I should have him as my close number two because at least I know now at least proven through history in the course of all this mess, he has proven to me that I can trust him if I can't trust anybody else. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and then, like, you know, so then President Keene goes on air, and she has a big blowout with Brett O'Keefe, and I don't really know kind of the the conclusion of it other than, you know, she 
She, she, like, she basically threatens Brett O'Keefe and says, your ass is going to be prosecuted. I know that you're behind the video. I know that you edited it. I know that you had this like secret underground thing. And he's like, what? What? I know she's she like, let what him are have you it. talking about, President Keene or Madam President-elect? I don't know. What, I, what are you talking about? She and, let him have it. I, mm-hmm. But I, this is what I do love about the last couple of episodes. For the longest time, President-elect Keene has been like this. She's been like uh-huh. icy, cool, calm, collected, or, or confused, or confused. But these last two episodes, she's like, "Oh, but no, this is not going to happen, and I'm not going to sit here and act like this is okay because it's not." And she's been very vocal about it, which I kind of love, and I love that because a lot of times, it just in real life, people will assume that women in power cannot be assertive when they need to be. And I love the fact that now that everything's kind of hitting the fan from all different directions, that she's stepping into her power. Whereas before, I think she was a little tentative about mm-hmm, it and scared. Mm-hmm. And now she's stepping into her power and going, okay, wait. I Like when she says to Dara Dahl, 60 million people voted for me. Who voted for you? Yeah. Right. Get them, President Keene. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's like that. It's like the, uh, the song, right? Or this girl is on fire. Right? Isn't that the song? Isn't that the song? Or did I get it wrong? That's Alicia Keys. I know, right? I mean, I, I do a terrible Alicia Keys, but I'm saying it's like it's very much like right. This girl is on fire. Oh or my is god! It? Well, yeah, this girl's on fire would be. But I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need you to get them singing skills on par. Oh my god, that was hilarious. <laughs> Ooh, way to bring some jokes to Homeland. It's such a serious subject. Uh, I love you for that. <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to Carrie. Okay. And, you know, Carrie goes into the house, but mysteriously the alarm is off. She's going around. She sees the van. And then from behind, the neighbor, like, grabs her. You know, they like, have a big struggle. But luckily, who comes and saves the day? Quinn. Quinn. Yes, Quinn comes and saves the day. Let me just say this about the whole going in the house thing. It cracks me up even when – even. And this is so off subject just for a second. But when you go to see horror movies, which I do not like that genre at all because they scare me to death. But whenever you go see a horror movie and there's a bunch of white people in a horror movie, whenever they go into a house and there's and it's looking creepy or sounding creepy, they always just walk into the house. It's like, don't go in there. It's up to no good. There's somebody lurking in the shadows waiting for you. Go out the door. Don't go in. And what does she do? She, she goes in and gets the Because she's carrying. Because she's Carrie, and yeah, she's doing too she's, much all the she's time. Carrie, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and Quinn bashes the hell out of this guy, and you know, but then she she does her Carrie magic and calls uh, George Palace to say Quinn needs immunity. Then the FBI is there, and you know, and then she's she starts kind of smelling the conspiracy, and she's talking to Quinn, and they're starting to figure out. Wait a minute, there's like a whiteboard with like little tidbits. And this is where they find out R isn't for Rick, R is for Romeo, yes. which means something's going to happen on the East Coast. Yes. So she dials up, talks, starts talking to Rob, but things start cutting out. And, yeah. you know, and then you see this like slow motion of them opening the garage. And us as viewers, it's, it's almost like you said about the person going into the house. It's like, don't do it. Same thing. It's like <laughs> when you see them start fiddling with the thing and she's on the phone looking at it. Yeah, you're and like, there's always the close up on the door. And I was like, don't oh, dude, do there's going to be don't a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And we see the bomb go off and Rob's on the phone with her and she's like, I need to talk to the. And then he's. Nothing. Yeah. And so and she's and she's all rattled because she was being taken back and some um, pedestrian decided to get in the way of the truck and he gets hit. So I, and I don't know why she was so rattled by that. It's like, dude, if you're dumb enough to like jump in front of a car and get hit, then that's your own fault. That's your own <laughs> damn fault. 
Uh, <laughs> that's the way that I look at it. And she's a president. Just be like, whatever, dude. Like we got we got insurance. So that's a lot going on. Um, that is a lot going on. Let's talk about. Um, let's see here. I talked about that. Talked about that. Da, da, da. Um, I want to talk about the fact that Franny, even though she's she's kind of in and out. She's been in and out of the season for a variety sure. of different reasons. I'm almost interested to know how things are going to turn out with, with Franny for Carrie. You know, is the family court going to give her full custody? Are they going to place her, are they going to leave her with the foster family? And and what is that going to do to Franny's psyche? Because Carrie is bipolar, you know, is that going to have an effect on Franny? You know, it, when we come back next season, well, you know how they do on television, they age a child. No, I know. I was, I was wondering, seasons. I was actually wondering <laughs> if that was going to happen, if they were going to do like the whole uh, soap opera thing. Right. If you you're know, a general <laughs> hospital fan, I know exactly yes, what you're talking you know, about. You know, the next season rolls around and the kid has gone from being 12 years old to like 25. And you're like, when did that happen? Yep. It's crazy. Or yeah, or is she going to turn right? Are they going to age her, and then all of a sudden she's like a um, like a Dana Brody? Yeah. Oh, right. You know, very bratty and angry. Yes. And or will she just be? I kind of loved Dana Brody. I kind of miss her. Her storyline kind of played out weird, unfortunately. Yeah, but I kind of miss her. She was a good. Actress. No, she was great. I she was her. absolutely phenomenal I actress. Loved her. I loved her. And then I, I, um, and then I wonder, like. After all and everything that's happened, when is Carrie going to end up back at the CIA? Like, do or we think Carrie's going to end? She? I think she might. Yeah, I think she, I think she might. At the, end of the, think, at, at, at the end of this season, I'm not sure if it'll happen at the end of this season. But I think it would be really interesting to have her go back because her being rogue has played out very well. But it would be interesting to see. What happens with her when she has to go back and follow the rules, like really follow the rules? Because being rogue and breaking the rules, you don't have any consequences. You don't have anybody to answer to. Mm -hmm. But when you're back in a situation where there is an entity overseeing what you're doing and she is notorious for breaking a rule and, and having really wonderful excuses as far as she's concerned as to why she broke the rules, it would be really interesting to see if they took her back. Because of the reason she, the reason Saul is even in touch with President-elect King is because of Carrie. Carrie is like the center of the nucleus with all of these people. Yep. She's the center of it. She, she's almost the puppet master instead of Dara Dahl to a certain extent because she, everybody, everybody's actions at some point or another always end up having some type of interaction with her or that their actions end up happening because of something she said or something she's done. Yep. Which makes sense because Homeland does center around Carrie. So... <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Well, so then lastly, the last thing we kind of see in this is Dar actually is using Max. He's not beating him up anymore. He brings Max and he's like saying, hey, I want you to I want you to hack into O'Keefe's computer because he saw a picture of Peter in there or Quinn, Peter Quinn in there. And now he's like, because Dar has this weird love for Quinn. So he's like, he's like. Find me this piece of information, and it looks like we're th- we're seeing that O'Keefe's next setup could be using Quinn to be a possible assassin for Madam President-elect. Ooh, that would be scary. Yeah. What right? do you think? What do you think that is? What do you think that that really strange 
relationship is that Dara Doll has with Quinn. What is that? Well, it's yeah, it was kind of like subtle. I mean, you know, he keeps saying, "Well, I love you," and yeah, and that's and what I'm saying. He like kind of like dirty. That. He was like a dirty old man, and right. And he, but then he also dropped it, you know, to Quinn saying, "You know, I never did anything that whoever I uh, put my advances towards didn't reciprocate to me." Ooh, is Dara Doll gay? Do we think he's gay? Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, that's, but like the way that that, would put a big twist on every, ooh, I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, but he, but he has this weird affiliation with, that's what you were saying. Like he would throw everybody, like his mom under the bus. I 100% agree with you. Mm -hmm. But for Quinn, he just has this thing. And like, yeah, you think that Max is getting beat up. You think that he's about to be dead, but then Darb drags him into this room and it's just like, dude, go hack into that thing because I saw Quinn's face in there. What is that? What is that? And so now I'm wondering, next episode season finale what is will this plan actually go through or is dar actually going to be a good guy and at least try to save quinn like yeah. what, do you, what do you think Pred- predictions for next week yeah i don't think dar is ever going to be a good guy like that would just <laughs> that would just totally discredit his character from the whole season it would just make nit no i don't think he'll ever be a good guy i think that he's kind of like <laughs> For lack of a better example, he's kind of like Gargamel in the Smurfs. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? He just is one of those people that as much as, or any villain in any kind of situation. Yeah, he actually doesn't have, has the same kind of haircut, he does, too, he right? He has the Gargamel <laughs> thing happening. Yeah, right? Anytime any villain tries to, like, have that moment to, to reveal that soft, fuzzy, warm side of them, reality sets in and they're like, yeah, see, now this is why I'm like this in the first place. And they just go back to being the way that they were. And But maybe what they'll do, maybe what they'll do is do a setup to let us know why Dar Adal has become that person. Like, what happened to make him be so sinister and calculating? Because I would love to know that. He just kind of showed up on the scene being sinister and calculating and we don't really oh, know why. Oh, from the get-go, yeah. Right. right, and we don't really know why. So I would love to know why he's sinister and calculating, and what got him to that point. And how did he end up in Washington? Like, we don't even know that either. So, we, don't know, we, we know very little about him. So do you, you think he'll get his in the season finale? Not, not death, but just, like, how they've been wanting to bust him? Or do you think that it'll still go on for a couple more seasons? I think, I think it'll be a cliffhanger. Because if they re- this is the thing. If they resolve who he is, where he came from, and how President-elect Keene wants to get him his at in the season finale, there would be no reason for us to tune in for the next season. They have to have some type of cliffhanger for us to tune in. So we got it. I'm thinking it's gonna. we're going to think that he's getting his, but I think that they probably will kind of just um, string us along and make us think that. Because to <laughs> me, that's more interesting than just like, throwing him down and like killing him off like oh no you can't All do right. that that's Carla's prediction there we have it <laughs> Carla where, where, where can everybody find you you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the curvy film critic Awesome. And I'm Rick Hong. You can find me on all social media at Rick Hong, R-I-C-K-H-O-N-G. Stay tuned for next week with a season finale and possible special guest. I'm working on it. So you got to tune in uh, next Sunday. Have a good one. Bye. (laughs) From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. 
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.